Phil wants to know if he should go find a new job or enroll in an expensive Dan Pena program, which will help him buy a whole bunch of businesses with none of his own money and roll them up very quickly so he can become fabulously wealthy. Hey there, everyone. It's David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play podcast, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses. This week, I got an email question from Phil. And normally when I get these types of emails, I direct them to a, a page I have on my blog site, which is all about buying a business with no money that has all of the videos from past you know, uh, uh, questions about, is it really realistic to be able to do this? The reason why I wanted to answer this one in a video is I think that there's a lot of people out there who may be facing some personal hardship due to the pandemic and who may be more open than normal to the types of messaging and advertising that could be out there on the internet. And so I wanted to create this video so that if you, any one of you know someone who you think might be in this position, you can share it with them to help people get a more realistic understanding of, of what's going on and what is, is possible. So let's get into the email, okay? Because this is gonna be a great video. Um, so Phil asks, hi, David. I love listening to your podcast, having only discovered them yesterday. The one with the guy who bought the Ninja Acquisition course and the Moron Pober course was just what I needed to hear. Ninja Acquisition was, was Carl Allen. He's out there again with another program. I have no money to buy a business and I'm presently out of work due to COVID. I like the idea of a roll up, well, rolling up seller finance business, businesses following the Dan Pena QLA model. I have a marketing experience and business degree. I'm, uh, in my mid thirties based in a major developed country. So this guy is in a modern Western country. I do not want to sign any personal guarantees. I am also not in a position to do a management buyout of a business I'm working in. Honestly, in your knowledge and experience, is this something that can be done successfully by someone in my situation? I'm asking because for many years, QLA has been in the back of my mind as something I should do. Perhaps it's just the castle backdrop that sells me on it laugh, LOL. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Phil. So let's take, let's take this apart. So for those of you who don't know who is Dan Pena, Dan Pena is a guy who has a YouTube channel and he yells at people and uh, basically teaches that in order to be successful in business, you have to be this ruthless person who takes no prisoners and is willing to do what other people aren't in order to get money from people no matter how. And um, I'm not really going to go in depth about Dan Pena. There are several other YouTubers that have done some big analysis work on Dan Pena. They would be Spencer Cornelia. Um, another one is a Coffeezilla YouTube channel. And then there's also Mike Willett, who's Mike Winnett, who's in the UK, who's got a video. He has a video called The Contrepreneur Formula, which I highly recommend everyone watch. So th they'll go into depth in many of their videos about Dan Pena's particular circumstance. I have gone and looked at some of his stuff because I've gotten this question over and over and over again from people throughout the years. And from and I've also spoken to people who've gone through what he calls his castle seminar. So basically what he talks about is he talks about reading a huge list of some of the most famous renowned business books of all time. Well, that doesn't cost anything. He's even got the list out there. So, you know, Phil, if you want to go and read all those books, you'd probably benefit from that. That's a great idea. Um, what happens at the Castle Seminar? Well, I've been told different things from people who've gone there, but a lot of it apparently has to do with mindset. And, you know, again, being willing to do things that other people aren't. 
I'm going to talk about this more later on, but the castle, okay? One, yeah, the Dan Pena lives in a castle. Um, and if you go looking online, you will find a lot of people talking about his castle, uh, especially people who've rented it as a venue for their wedding. And so I'll leave that one there. Uh, I, he purports to be a billionaire. I don't know how many billionaires rent out their home for a wedding venue. You can go look into that further. So um, on my blog site, I have a website. Uh, there's a tab on my blog site, davidcbarnett.com called buy a business with no money. If you go through that, it basically takes you through all the videos I've ever created on this topic. So in your email, Phil, you say, you know, I don't want to sign any personal guarantees. I don't know why you wouldn't want to sign a personal guarantee because you've said that you're broke. Like what have you got to lose? Right. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you borrow money from a bank, they're going to make you sign a personal guarantee. And if you borrow money from a seller, then the personal guarantee might be negotiable, but you're, you know, you're in your mid thirties, you have a university degree, you studied business and you don't have any money. And so if I were a business owner of a successful business and you came up to me and said, I want to buy your business and I don't have anything to give you and you need to finance it entirely, I would be highly suspicious of whether or not I would have ever collect on that note because you don't have any kind of track record of success to show me that would demonstrate to me that you're going to be able to run the business. Any seller who's going to do seller financing is wearing two different hats. They're wearing the hat of a business seller, but they're also wearing a banker hat. So they're trying to underwrite you and determine whether or not it makes sense for them to basically lend you money to take over their business. And businesses are pretty easy to wreck. So, you know, especially if some kind of service business, I mean, you talk about your marketing background. And so if you were going to buy a, a marketing business, that would probably be something with a lot of goodwill, very little in the way of tangible assets. So if you took over my marketing agency, let's say if I was selling one to you, um, you could wreck the relationships with the customers. And then if I had to take the business back, it might be nearly impossible for me to recover because my customers would have gone off with other people maybe by that point. So let's, let's talk about some actionable advice here. And, and when I was poking around online, uh, I came across a really fun quote from Charlie Munger, who of course is Warren Buffett's associate at Berkshire Hathaway. And Charlie Munger says that there's only three ways for a smart person to go broke. Um, it's a bit of a joke, but I think it's absolutely true. Liquor, ladies, and leverage. Okay. And so, you know, I also believe that these three things keep people broke. They prevent people from ever doing the things that they should be doing in order to create a path that will lead them to uh, a growing fortunes and success down the road. So if you're talking about buying a business using 100% seller financing, then you are talking about ultimate leverage. You're talking about the highest leverage position you could ever be in. So if you bought a fine dining restaurant in any major city in December of 2019 using 100% seller financing, you'd be done, right? Because leverage magnifies gains. It also magnifies losses if things go down. So buying any kind of business asset with a lot of leverage adds risk to the equation. So buying a business, you know, Buying a business is like buying almost anything else. There's usually some sort of motivation behind it. Why on earth do people buy a business? 
Well, there are two groups of people that I've identified in my career about who buy a business. There's one group of people who are forced to buy a business. How can anyone be forced to buy a business? Well, easy. So let's say you're a person who has no access to gainful employment or no access to a wage that's gonna provide a meaningful life for you and your family. You may feel that the only way that you're gonna earn more money is through buying a business. And so we see this quite often amongst, for example, new immigrants to a country. So someone might be an engineer in one country and they operate with a high income. They move to a new country and their credentials aren't recognized. And so what are they gonna do? You know, They've suddenly lost the advantage of their education to leverage for higher wages. So one thing that they might do is buy a business that they can work in and they can earn an income, right? So, but you, you know, you went to university, you have a university degree. The whole reason people go to a university is to improve their skills so that they don't end up in that situation, right? And so you aren't going to buy a business because you're forced to. I mean, why would you pay money to buy a business if you can just go get a job, right? So there's got to be a different reason why someone wants to buy a business. And anytime some, we're talking about how people are motivated to do things, I like to use you know, the framework of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So I found a picture of it and I'm going to share this, uh, if you'll bear with me, and I'll describe it to um, people who are listening to the audio. Okay, so it's a pyramid. And if you've ever studied any psychology classes, maybe you've seen this before. So what Maslow said basically is that you cannot function at high levels on the hierarchy, unless you satisfy, satisfied things at the bottom. So at the very bottom, we have physiological needs. What do we need as human beings to make ourselves go? So we've got food, warmth, water, a place to rest, okay? So you're not going to be thinking about creating a fine work of art if you're not sure where your next meal is coming from, right? That's, that's how this works. So in order to be worried about the second stage, which is safety needs, security and safety, you have to know that you've got your meals lined up for the next few days, right? And so as you build a life, you're building up this hierarchy and you're securing these things. So in, our, in the beginning, when we're young, our parents provide a lot of these low level things for us. And as we get into adulthood, we start to have to satisfy these things on our own. And so somebody who um, has their safety and security needs met, then the next level up is belongingness and love needs. So this is where you want your intimate friendships and your relationships and you know having a girlfriend and that kind of thing. So the people I just described who are forced to buy a business in order to get an income, they're operating at this lower level. They're, they're saying, I don't have access to good employment. How can I get an income anyway? Oh, I'll buy this business. And again, this is why you see in particular, a lot of new immigrants to a country will buy businesses that they can work in because now there's nobody you know, saying that they can't earn more money because they don't have the right qualifications. They, all they have to do is be successful at running the business and they can earn as much money as they're able to deliver for themselves, right? So, so then the other people, like college-educated people who are growing up in a country that they were born in and have all of the advantages of being able to access employment, why would that person buy a business, right? So we're going to find out here as we move up the hierarchy of needs. So belongingness and love needs, and then above that 
esteem needs, prestige, feelings of accomplishment, right? Um, and then at the very top of the pyramid, we have self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities, being the master of one's destiny, right? Having freedom, right? Does this start to sound familiar? So if you're not in the group of people who needs to buy a business in order to get an income, then you're in the other group of people who buy businesses. It's an act of leveling up. It's not something done from a position of desperation. And, and so, so here, I'm going to stop sharing. And let's think about this a little bit more. <clears throat> so the common people that I work with who are trying to buy a business, many of them already own a business and they want to buy a business to grow their business, right? They want to grow through acquisition. Other people have a career of some kind, or they've maybe they've dabbled in real estate investing, or they've done other things, and they're looking at getting into business and they want to do it in a risk-controlled fashion. So they want to, they want to get, you know, they want to move up this pyramid and they want to do it in a careful way, right? And so these are the people who are actually people who are buying businesses. What some of these online characters do is they they lay a trap for people on the internet where they talk about the frustrations and problems people have on the lower rungs of this pyramid. And they say, you know what? If you buy a business, it's going to solve all these problems for you. No. If you buy a business with 100% leverage and you don't have any other resources or money to backstop you, then you're just going to be putting yourself into a trap because the first bump in the road that happens, the whole thing is going to fall apart and you're going to end up broke and you're going to end up in a worse position than you are now. So like, like, let me give you an example. So in my own career, I had, I went to school too. I went to business school and in business school, I learned about profit and in a household, a profit, a profitable household the profit is expressed as savings. So if you can run your household properly, it means that savings will start to accumulate and grow, right? And so one of the reasons why I say all the time that if you wanna buy a business, you need to be saving money is because you need to be able to demonstrate to other people that you can at least run a household, right? If you can't run a household profitably, how are you gonna run a business profitably, right? So you save up some money, I was saving money. I had a good job. I then I bought a house. I bought a couple of small apartment buildings. And then I knew that I wasn't happy in that career anymore. And I wanted to level up into something else. So a partner and I started a business. And after a few months of he and I working in it together, we then had employees, right? And so it was this, this building growing thing. And then when he didn't want to do it anymore, and I didn't want to do it anymore, I started another business and, you know, I was never really in a position to buy a business at that point, um, or I didn't think that I wanted to, but I started the commercial debt brokerage. And then I started to grow that business and it started to make money for me. And then that's when the financial crisis happened and I got into business brokerage and I liked business brokerage. And so that was the first real business that I bought because I bought that office off the current owner. And there's a video I've made here. I'll link to it. Where my life as a business broker. Um, it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. 
it ended up being a like crazy cash flow roller coaster that I eventually had to jump off. And in the process, yeah, I lost money. It didn't put me on the street though, because I had built up other resources, right? It, it, I didn't put my last nickel into a deal. And I can tell you over and over and over again in my career, I've met people who've put their last nickel into a deal. It always ends badly getting back to Charlie Munger's wise words because there's too much leverage. You need to have the resources and financial strength to weather ups and downs and bumps in the road, right? It's these guys online who are saying that, you know, you have to do a deal by borrowing from as many different places as you can. That's not going to lead you to success. What you do is you build a solid foundation of financial strength and you keep building upon it. And then when you're, you've got that strong foundation to weather a storm, then you're able to expose yourself to more risks in doing something like buying a business, which is going to bring more risk in and greater rewards, right? And so the whole idea then is to hang on to that business and make sure it works correctly for enough time for you to get your money back out and then appreciate some of those extra profits. That's the plan. A lot of times it doesn't work. A lot of businesses fail, right? It's risky. So here's my advice for Phil and for anyone else who finds themselves in this kind of situation. So Phil, you need to do a self-analysis and you need to figure out why you're in a position that you're in. Why is it that you're in your mid thirties and you don't have bank accounts with, you know, $10,000 in them or more at this point in your life, right? Number one question, is it because you're spending too much money on lifestyle uh, or the other things that Charlie Munger mentioned, right? Are, are things that you're doing in your day-to-day -day life keeping you broke? So you need to assess that. You need to figure out how can I run my household profitably so that I can grow my savings to start having some liquid wealth to, to you know, take care of these things. So very first thing you need to have is an emergency fund, right? So that if you lose your income again, that you've got options open to you. Next, you need to do something that's going to start creating value over the long time. When we do things that create value, when we, and this gets back to Pena, because he says you got to do the things other people won't, I agree, but it's not in the way he says. You do the hard work that other people won't do because it's going to bring you continuous advantages that grow over time. In 2014, I wrote a book called Invest Local, right? Every month, I think I probably earn royalties on that book of like a hundred bucks. That's not impressive at all. But do you know what is impressive about that book is that I took the time to write it once. Now, every month I earn like a hundred dollars in royalties off of it. And just last week, I got an email from a fellow in Philadelphia who has a podcast. He read the book and he wanted to have me on his podcast. So now I'm going to go on his podcast and I'm going to talk to a new audience of people about the stuff that I do. And I could find new customers in that audience because I wrote a book seven years ago, right? And so it's just like things like buying an apartment building right? You buy a small apartment block and maybe you have a very meager positive cash flow from it by collecting the rents. And it's not very exciting and it's a lot of work and you got to spend your weekends painting rooms. I mean, I did it. I used to own three different apartment buildings at one time. But then what starts to happen is the balance on your mortgage starts to decline and the rents start to go up as the price of everything moves up. And as you move, that cash flow becomes bigger and bigger over time. And then you realize, hey, now I have better cash flow and I have a huge amount of equity in this building. 
because of the passage of time. So you need to figure out, get yourself into a positive cash flow situation, and then start to have some intentionality with your life about what moves you're going to make in order to start building a solid financial footing for yourself. Things that are going to grow in value and continue to create advantages for yourself every day over time. You mentioned now, I'm going to tell you to do something that I don't tell the very many people. Okay. I'm going to tell you that you need to be looking for a job. You lost your job. You need to find a new one. And at the same time, you need to be developing a business. And how do we successfully create a business? It's through creating value for people, right? And and creating value for people in a way that's more efficient than they can create the, the value for themselves. So I'm going to give you an example. One of the things that I do with, with my clientele is that I help analyze businesses that people are looking at buying, right? I've done this hundreds of times. So what, what uh, you know, a first time person looking at a business, they're going to look at all the numbers they've been given. They're going to create spreadsheets. They're going to look at it. They're going to scratch their chin. They're going to think about it. And, and then they might throw up their hands and go, I don't know if I'm looking at something that's good or bad. So they hire me. I come and I look at all the numbers. And because I've looked at many of the similar kinds of businesses before, I'm able to cut through it usually in 60 to 90 minutes of my time. And I'm able to show them what fundamentally we need to get to, to see if the deal is good or not. Right. So is it worthwhile for someone to pay me, you know, in order to do that? Well, I can do it quickly and efficiently, and I can help spot problems that might save people hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I'm delivering value to people that is affordable to a market of people who can afford to pay me. And I'm doing something that they, they can't do themselves in the same kind of efficient way. Okay. So this is what you need for a successful business. You need some kind of offering. You need to be able to offer it to a market that you can identify. And those people have to have money that they can spend to pay you. Right. And so, so that's what I do. So you can do the same thing. You have a marketing background. So you need to think about what kind of thing can I do for people that they, they find very difficult to do for themselves that I can do quickly and efficiently, right? So you create an offering and then you have to identify who is going to take advantage of this, who can I sell it to, and then how am I going to find them? So am I going to reach out to them directly? Am I going to send them a letter in the mail? Am I going to email them? Am I going to call them? Am I going to reach out on LinkedIn? Am I going to... Um, you know, advertise in some way, whatever it is. And, and then you have to collect from them. So right now you're out of, out of work. So because of COVID, many governments have created all these programs that are to supplement the income of people that have been put out of work because of the pandemic. I'm guessing you probably have some kind of income from a source like that. So basically you've got a government subsidy paying your bills while you do the work of building a business. You should also be looking for a job too at the same time, but make sure that whatever business you start to build today uh, isn't directly competitive with that job because it can take a while for a business to get going. You might talk to someone next week who um, may only engage you in six months time. This is the birth point of a little consulting business that can be a side hustle for you until it eventually grows into a full-time business that you can run. That's how I started this business. It started up my early videos. Someone commented the other day, David, how come you don't make videos in your car anymore wearing a tie? Because I was working for American Express in those days, right? 
And I was building the side hustle consulting business that had a YouTube channel. And when I had like 20 minutes to kill between appointments, I'd put up my camera, I'd put up my phone and make a video, right? So, so if you want to take advantage of your knowledge and expertise to create a consulting business, I highly recommend you check out the video, uh, the YouTube channel from a guy named Alze Calhoun. It's called Coveted Consultant. And his whole channel is about building a consulting business. And I think that that could be a big help for you. And so, so Phil, um, don't spend a huge amount of money that you don't have pursuing a program that, in my opinion, isn't realistically actionable, right? Um, from a guy who, if you do research and look at other people's videos about him, you will soon learn, he just is not a good guy. I mean, he's literally teaching people to become sociopaths. Um, and the majority of people are good people. People want to be helpful with each other. People want to help each other out. I want to help you have a resolution to your situation. I want to help you get ahead. I'm not earning any money from this. I want to be helpful, right? And the majority of people in the world want to be helpful. And the way that you succeed in business is by delivering helpful value to other people so that they feel that, hey, you know, I paid Phil for that. And I, I would never have been able to do it myself for that amount of money. And I'm really happy with the results. The, there is no better reward in business than doing business with someone and then having them come back to do it again. And, you know, my example of the consulting I do with people buying a business, I've got people now who've been back four or five times to do that service with me. And so it, it highlights to me that they're seeing great value in what I'm doing. And it lets me know that I'm being helpful to these people and helping them avoid making huge financial mistakes. And that's the mission that drives my business. Anyway, I hope that helps you. If any of you guys in the audience know anyone else who's in a position like this, where they're thinking about doing something like this, that's unrealistic, um, please share the video. And for those of you who haven't already, please sign up for my email list. It's at davidcbarnettlist.com. Uh, I send out emails almost every day. You get to choose which topics are of interest to you. And uh, I try to keep it light and funny. And uh, a lot of people actually write back and say that they really enjoy the content of the emails every day. And with that, we'll say thank you. I love you all very much. Be safe. And hopefully all this pandemic stuff will be over soon. Cheers.